but I am a naturally curious person. I ask a whole bunch of questions and I'm just curious to see how people live their lives, right? So our next guest, Effie Bloom, she is a open relationships coach. Now, I don't know if you've been checking out the media lately, but there's been a lot more representation in the media about the different types of romantic relationships that are out there and the way that people are living their lives. So, of course, your girl had to bring on somebody who could talk about this and somebody who can answer all my questions. So if you're curious like me, this podcast is just for you because she's going to deep dive into all the different types of relationships that are out there. And then, of course, I got to ask, well, you know, what do you start doing when somebody starts liking somebody else and like wants to open their marriage and how does that work and all the emotions that come with it? It can get confusing, but it's super interesting. Let me know what y'all think. Hey, Slay Nation, it's Heather back with another episode of the So She Slays podcast. I am so excited for the, today's conversation. And to interview Effie Blue, she is a relationship coach on open relationships. Now, I feel like there's a whole bunch under this umbrella. So before we dive in, go ahead and say a little something about yourself. Hello. So nice to be on this podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, <laughs> my name is Effie. <laughs> Like you said, my name is Effie Blue. Uh, I'm a relationship coach. I specialize in uh, working with people who are curious about um, transitioning into or have hit a roadblock in non-traditional, non-monogamous relationships. Mm. I'm also the co-host of the Curious Fox podcast, where we challenge the status quo in love, sex, and relationships. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So I I don't know about you, but I have been seeing more portrayals of open relationships when it comes to media and all this other stuff like a lot more people are talking about it and mm -hmm. that's another reason why I wanted to talk to you I was like there's other people mm -hmm. talking about it but I think you know it's it's important to get the information correct right mm -hmm. <laughs> to know what mm -hmm. we're talking mm -hmm. about so before we even yeah. dive in let's let's kind of give a little bit of definition to some of these things when mm -hmm. it comes to open relationships so what are the type of relationships that we can find under this term Sure. So if you think about monogamy and non-monogamy are kind of the two sides of the spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. um, monogamy is the piece that we're very familiar with, where essentially, um, though it does have a bunch of gray areas, we are comfortable saying monogamy or monogamous relationships are the ones that you don't have sex with anything else, right? Most of the time when we're talking about monogamous relationships, we're really talking about sex. Mm -hmm. um, and then that in itself has, you know, needs some thought around like the edges, right? So it's, you know, is this porn count, the sexting count, right? So that's like a whole area. Um, and then when we come over to non-monogamy, um, that's essentially when we're thinking about relationships where people are okay to have uh, intimate, sexual, emotional, or intellectual relationships with more than one person at a time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And under that... Um, there are many, many terms that people come up with that really describes their relationship, depending on the, the the quality and the style of the relationship. The most common ones that we hear are polyamory, right? So polyamory, poly, many amory loves, right? So polyamory, people who are polyamorous put invest in multiple loving long-term relationships. Um, sex can be a part of that or not. Polyamorous people tend to be focusing on the relational side of uh, of things, um, not necessarily so much the 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 sexual part of things. So, for example, within the polyamorous community, 
Um, there are people who practice, um, there, there are people who identify as asexual, for example. Oh, right? okay. Oh, wait, um, I was going to say, define asexual because I know people are going to be like, what sure. the heck is asexual? Sure. Um, the asexual, people who identify as asexual or, or people who are on the asexual spectrum are people who don't have a natural sex drive. They're not interested in sex. They don't get aroused. Um, we actually did an episode on it. There's a great book by Angela Chen called um, Ace. That mm-hmm. if you're interested in asexuality, that I thoroughly recommend. Um, if any of your listeners are thinking, oh, I don't know, this sounds familiar. I don't have a sex drive. I always thought something was wrong with me. Nothing is wrong with me. That is a sexual orientation. So asexuality is a sexual orientation. And it is a spectrum, right? So people talk about um, demisexual um, uh, as a part of that, gray sexual. So within that, it kind of splits. Um, the reason I bring it up is because people who identify as asexual find themselves um, thriving in non-monogamous, polyamorous relationships where they can have... Um, an intimate romantic relationship with somebody and there's space for them to have sexual relationships somewhere else. Right. So everybody uh, that needs to get met somewhere else. Exactly. Exactly. So that kind of polyamory side of things when people are really looking at the relational side of things, investing in long-term relationships, romance, intimacy, um, and sex for some and not for others. Right. And then you're going into things like open relationships that tend to be more co- couples based. So there is sort of pair bonding that's happening. There is a, a identifying core relationship or a primary relationship, depending on the language that people are using. And then those people that are in a relationship um, will then have what I would call auxiliary relationships, right? Some more common language that you hear are things like secondary, like, uh, secondary relationships. I don't use that in my practice um, because it, it triggers a bunch of things that aren't really helpful to the process. So I tend to talk more about core relationships and auxiliary relationships, right? Mm-hmm. So people who practice open relationships, they kind of ide- they kind of identify as having a relationship which is open, right? yes, rather than polyamory, which is multiple relationships at the same time. Does okay, that, does that make okay. sense? So just so that I'm hearing uh, and reiterating for the audience, like the open relationship side uh, when it comes to, so it's like with polyamory, it's a lot of several different relationships, correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. Whether it's, and then open relationships are like you have your core, but then you're Mm -hmm. also like open to maybe intimacy with other people. Exactly, exactly. Okay. And it could be um, those in a relationship dating separately, dating together, right? So yes. that's kind of what the open relationship piece is. And then when you're kind of looking at open relationship, but that's really more sex focused. So they're not really looking for um, rela- uh, other relationships, but they're looking for fun, sexy times with others. Now you're going into swinging realm, right? Yeah. So we thought swingers, right? So swingers tend to be couples, established couples, that meet other couples for fun and games yeah fun sexy games right yes. so now you're in the the swinging area um as you're getting closer to monogamy you're hitting monogamish which is this awesome term um coined by dan savage uh who has a great podcast that i recommend yeah writer. um and and monogamish is the way that he describes it that you are in an established long-term relationship you are in a relationship and every now and then on birthdays and special occasions you go out there and have fun. And have some fun. You get a, you get a, what is it like? Um, pass. like, yeah, hall pass. Exactly. Yes, I feel like that's exactly. what marriage is. It's like, oh, if I ever met it, this celebrity, like my husband gave me an okay, you know, so on and so exactly. forth. Exactly. 
Uh, right, exactly, exactly. So, um, you know, couples that honor short-term crushes, um, you know, they'll go out and maybe seek a threesome um, for, you know, special occasions, things like that, and more on the monogamish side, right? Mm. Um, oh, and this, by the way, is not a linear spectrum. I'm kind of taking you on a, a on. I know a we're going on a journey, but I appreciate it because there's so much. This is what I've come to learn as an adult, too. It's like, Every relationship is so different. Yes. But, and it, you could be the same person, but, you know, with somebody else and be totally different. Like, yes. Or, or your needs are met in different areas and then not met in other areas. So it, it's very, I mean, it's, it's this whole self-awareness thing that sure. really comes into play. Exactly. And we can also show up differently in the same relationship, depending on where we are, right? Over really? the course of time, we could be in the same relationship with the same person as ourselves and show up differently depending on what else is going on in our life, what phase of life we're in as well. So it's definitely a fluid um, situation. It, every relationship is fluid. And yes. I think it's important that we lean into that, fluid, um, that fluidity, that we don't try to contain it or solidify it and rather go with it and be aware of it and tolerate it within ourselves and our partners as well. Exactly. Because I also think too, it's like, you know, if you're with someone for 20, 30 years, I mean, great. That's amazing. But also too, like, you can't tell me you're the same person you were 10 years into the relationship that you are 30 years into the relationship. Exactly. 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 So it's important to be aware of that. And and I think um, the key to it, whether you're in a monogamous relationship or a non-monogamous relationship is, is work on actively nurture um, curiosity towards your partner right which is something that we don't talk about enough we talk about love we talk about romance we talk about intimacy but really what what drives all of this what drives um uh, unity over a long period uh, period of time and accepting and allowing space for the other person to grow and evolve and change and and find next versions of themselves is to keep up with them through curiosity Mm. you know how are you feeling truly like what's going on in your life? What's going on in your mind? What's going on with your preferences? How do your experiences change you? How do you feel about those experiences, right? Rather than go from a place, what I would call like the cached place in your head, right? And a really good example of that is when the, the typical story of a partner coming home and seeing another partner and not noticing a new haircut, Mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. or something a major change right and it, it's not because they don't care about them it's because our brains do this efficiency trick where we cache things right so yeah. for example you can navigate your home in a pitch black uh in, in a pitch black environment like if all the lights go out you can find your way to the front door right yes. because the, the the layout of your of your of your home is kind of cached into your mind true right? true your long-term partner is also cached in your mind the way they look the way they smell the way they yeah know, and after you know cup. 20 years exactly. i can get it i get it right <laughs> so we need to actively clear that cache and nurture curiosity towards this like living, breathing, ever evolving, changing human um, and and make space for the change and make space for the, the newness that might come up in their life. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so that kind of like leads me to this next question of the people that you see and that you coach, like what are the triggers in their minds that are just like, hey, this isn't working for me like I thought it was. And like, because I feel like when you start opening this door, right, 
I always feel like there's one person who makes the in- initial move, right? Mm-hmm. Or the initial question. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, I I could empathize with someone who's a little scared, you know, after 20 years and you're just like, mm-hmm. look, it's not that I don't love you. It's not that this and this and this, but it's like, I'm craving mm-hmm. other experiences or other this, like, then it starts going into the insecurities and the fears and that I'm not mm-hmm. good enough. And she's not, she doesn't love me anymore or vice versa. So that's a big thing. So how do we even begin to describe all of that? Sure. So let me, let me answer two questions. One, I think what you were asking is what, what are the common reasons? What are the sort of the top reasons why people might, find themselves um going towards non-monogamy yeah and the other question what i i heard you say is like how do you go about even approaching it with your partner yes okay so the the common reasons that i see i mean there are a, a billion reasons why people want to try non-monogamy right yes um the sort of the top five if you will um some of it is seeking variety right mm-hmm. some people have um more of a drive for variety um and it's not definitely not personal um, but it is a part of their sexual expression, their you know arousal arousal mechanic that they need newness and variety um, in their sort of sexual experiences. And that's very common. Another one is about sexual orientation, right? Mm. So they are bi, queer, um, you know, uh, allosexual, whatever it is that isn't you know straight, and they are in a you know one one type of relationship, and they're seeking the other type, right? So maybe they are in a heterosexual relationship, but they're bi and they're looking to explore within their own gender or they're in a, you know, homosexual relationship uh, and they're bi or queer uh, and they're looking for, you know, the other side, Mm -hmm, right? So that's very mm -hmm. common. Um, The other that I hear a lot is around sexual expression, right? And that is things like one person is into something that the other person isn't right and the and the person that oh they also don't want to try right? yeah so one person is kinky and they want to be spanked and the other person is like i don't i'm not interested and i don't want to try i don't want to i don't want to hit you for yeah. whatever reason and then all the reasons yeah. are okay why well, they don't want to do yeah. it right? yeah, yeah, yeah and this person is craving a specific sexual you know sexual experience um they have a, a certain sexual expression that fulfills them and that's why they're looking to be in an, in, a, in an open relationship right so those are some of the reason reasons another one could be um just the fact that one person wants to have sex and the other one doesn't right and that I, could be- I have i know a few off the top of my head and you know they are it is an open marriage because of that mm-hmm. yes exactly exactly <laughs> and, and 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 it could be it could be that that they never were into sex from the beginning like they could be asexual right or over the years you know one person lost their sex drive one person lost their interest in sex right and the other person's like well i haven't right and i'm gonna <laughs> keep exploring yeah right? that's another reason so those are kind of the common reasons why um and then there's like a, a bunch of weird and wonderful reasons um and and all of those reasons are okay i think the most important thing is to really dial in and align with the why, mm. right? Mm. Um, you know, and with your own why. Yeah. For example, uh, one of the things that I hear a lot is, well, I want to be non-monogamous because I think that monogamy is not natural, right? I hear that argument. Right, good. right. It's a very common argument. And, and my response to that is, sure, let's say monogamy is not natural, 
but where we are in our human evolution, we do so many things that that isn't natural, right? Sitting at a desk at a Z shape for eight hours a day is not natural, right? Dyeing our hair blue is not natural. Eating wheat the way that we do is not natural, right? So humans are already doing a million things that's not natural because it serves them in some way, mm-hmm. right? And if monogamy serves you in some way, it doesn't really matter if it's, if it's natural or not, right? Um, and same with non-monogamy, just because monogamy is not natural, that's not really a good enough reason to, to, to yeah. say, well, non-monogamy is the only option. You know, we only go and do the natural thing, right? <laughs> um, it's It's, you know... It's an, an argument. I find that it's not the most solid argument. And the reason why you need a solid argument is not to convince other people, but for you to really remain aligned with what is it that you need. Right? Yeah. Instead, and, you're kind of just some... guessing, right? You're kind of right. just guessing. Yeah, you're guessing and you're advocating. Yeah. Right? And that's the most, you're kind of advocating. You're not saying, hey, here are the things that I need. And I'm not getting those in this relationship because of these reasons. Very difficult conversation, mm. right? Very risky situation. Very vulnerable conversation. Yes. So by saying things like it's not natural, you're kind of advocating that difficult conversations. That's very personal. Mm-hmm. And knowing why you're doing it and being clear about it will actually help you. And those difficult conversations will also help your partner to get on board. Okay. Yeah, because if you can provide, I feel like as a partner, if you love that person and there's like solid proof and solid like feelings behind, mm-hmm. you know, what you're what you're trying to do, a justification, like I would be a little bit more open to that. Definitely. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And it's a conversation you can have, right? You can't really have a conversation around non-monogamy is not natural. Mm. True. I mean, I'm sorry. Monogamy is not natural. Like you, there's yeah, yeah, really yeah. not much of a conversation there. But if you can really um, explain your reasons, I think there's a conversation to be had there. And and like I said, it is a difficult conversation. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna sugar sugarcoat it. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that conversation goes really, really well, and sometimes it goes terribly. Um, there are ways of setting yourself up for success. Right. So, mm-hmm. for example, um, approaching it from a big picture before you narrow it right down to the relationship is, is a good idea. So yeah. things like sharing an article, um, watching something on TV, listening to a podcast. Right. And sort of sharing it with them and say, hey, I've come, come, come across this. It's kind of interesting me. What are your thoughts? Right. And now you're having more of a g- general conversation. Right. Yeah. It's still going to it's still going to like you know, activate the other person. Right? Yes. They're not, they're not going to be like, oh, I'm... It's, this no big deal, like, oh, whatever. <laughs> sure, sure. But it's going to be less activating than saying like, I want an open relationship or I wonder what it would be like if we opened our relationship. Like that brings it home too fast, too soon. Yeah. And, and too close. Yeah, yeah. So it's like easing into anything, you know, and you, I mean, I, f- I feel for the people who, who want to open the door first because I'm just like, oh, that has to be so scary. <laughs> yeah, no, it is scary. And the other piece is by the time you're doing that, the chances are you've been talking about it. You've been thinking about it for a long time, mm-hmm. right? Because it is not an easy thing. By the time you're doing it, most people are bursting. Yes. Right. So. But that's also not a great way to to get into this as well, because what then happens is by the time you're approaching your partner, there is impatience, right? There is um, uh, tension, right? And they're just at the beginning of this. Most of the time, it's the first time they're hearing about something that you've been thinking about potentially for years. Right. right? 
So you need to be super patient. You need to understand their their clock starts then. Your clock started back whenever, right? but their <laughs> clock starts then. So you need to go by their clock, right? It's even harder if you have someone in mind, right? So yes. I see this a lot in my practice. I actually ask this question uh, during during sort of the, the intake, right? Does anybody have anyone in mind that you actually want to approach as a part of the sort of opening up process? Because now you're on a different clock, right? Oh, Somebody wants goodness, to, someone's right? like been thinking about it. They have someone in mind and they're now impatient. They want to actually go there and they're like, let's get with the program. Right, right. That's, not, right. That's not a good way to go about it either. Okay, so how do you battle like the insecurities and the fear then if like, you're starting to open this up because I can see it from different, like from either side, you know, you're being on one side, you can essentially be like, Oh, well, I'm not good enough. And then on mm -hmm. the other side, it's like, Oh, well, my needs aren't being fulfilled. I'm going to go find somebody else. And then your partner finds somebody else too, maybe. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh shoot, I'm not good enough. You know what I mean? It's this sure. enough thing, right? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, the way that sort of the way that I talk about non-monogamy and the opening up process is um, it's like turning on stadium-sized floodlights onto a relationship that was previously dimly lit, right? Mm, so okay. long-term relationships, you know, it's dimly lit and you kind of ignore and step over things because you know they're there and they're not potentially going to change. Like the dust bunnies in the corners, the cracked floorboards, right? You kind of ignore them. You, you've, you've got used to navigating around them. They're like the little irritants that, that you learn to ignore, right? They don't, they don't feel like a big deal. You, you know, you, you've learned to tolerate them. And then somebody says, hey, I'm interested in an open relationship, right? And then these big flood, floodlights come on. And then suddenly everything is bright and aggressive and things that were once a little irritating are now like the reason for you want to stab the other person, right? Exactly. Right? Um, you know, I, I've heard this before. I've heard people say like, um, you know, I, you know, I, I hate ABBA and they, they, you know, I have a client, this is a big, big sort of thing that we talk about. It's like, ABBA was an irritant before. And now it's like, so annoying. And can't even stand the radio, it. They're like, ah, I can't stand this. Right. Cause they're just going through a big change. And, and this one thing that they could tolerate is now like a, a huge irritant for them. Too much, too much. So be prepared that these big lights are going to come on. Be prepared that you're going to have to deal with things that you've been ignoring. Right. And you can make an argument that it might actually be good for your household to have those things taken care of. Right. Mm. Like the insecurities that come up are probably affecting other areas of your life. Right. Yes. If, you're, if you if in that moment your head goes to instead of saying, oh, wow, I wonder what's going on with my with my partner. What makes them seek these other connections? Right. There's a place where your mind go if you are more on the secure side. But if your mind immediately goes to what's wrong with me, why am I not enough? That attitude probably shows up in other areas of your life. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. not necessarily just isolated to one relationship that's now going through change. So you can also argue that this is actually potentially a good opportunity for you to deal with some of those insecurities like why does your mind go to why am I not you know why am I not good enough to rather than oh that's interesting like what makes you seek an open like what makes you think that an open relationship would be interesting for you it sounds like you really do have to kind of be brave enough and self-aware and curious enough to really yes. approach these things because these are some big questions and yeah. you are you are you are actively challenging the traditional norms of society 
Um, And so, and that, that takes some guts. Uh, Do you think after the pandemic, have you seen more, have you seen a rise in, in like people opening up and just exploring? Are we having a case of FOMO? FOMO, I mean. Um, I think the pandemic changed the relationship and dating area. Enfold, right? (laughs) Yes, exactly. I mean, during, during the pandemic, I saw people who were, you know, in non-monogamous relationships turn sort of inwards and become monogamous. Um, I've seen people really struggle with non-monogamous relationships because they were missing other partners, right? Um, obviously, we've seen a lot of people saying, I need space because they were just like being, you know, um, quarantined together. And that's all, you know, one person is all they've seen. And that's not really how our, our brains are wired anyway. So that's yeah. actually just not good. Being isolated even with one other person is not really good for us, right? So people are coming out of the other side of the pandemic kind of looking for space, looking mm-hmm. for, you know, a, a little bit of, um, you know, away time. And I think also looking at what other options are out there as well. Yeah. Um, does that mean those relationships are going to go into like a full-time non-monogamous relationship? I don't know. I don't know. I think there's been a sort of, um, you know, there's been a pandemic and then there's like the aftermath of that and we're now adjusting to a new version of life that we're learning about. So I don't think anybody really knows. Um, I think those people who opened up post-pandemic, I don't know if they're going to stay open, you know, for the rest of their relationship. Um, it could just be a reaction to being cooped Everything, up. Everything, yeah. Of, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's, yeah. that's incredible. Um, I I love talking about this stuff because I feel like, um, yeah, the pandemic definitely changed, uh, changed mm-hmm. how we live our lives now forever. But I also think, too, you know, we're entering this new age of becoming more open-minded and becoming mm-hmm. a little bit more understanding And I, you know, with the advocation in mental health and wellness and self-awareness, you know, these are things that a lot of people need to be taking into consideration. Um, Thank you so much for joining us. Oh my gosh. I'm super excited that we had this conversation. I feel like we dumped a whole bunch of knowledge on people. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. So just to to tie things up, non-monogamy is a big topic, right? And I think if you're considering even curious about it, even if you're not wanting to open up, but you're curious about it, do your research. There is a lot out there. There's some great books out there. Um, the Curious Fox podcast, where I'm the co-host of, we talk about that a lot. Um, there's also Multiamory, which is another great podcast. Um, some of my favorite books are um, Polysecure, is, I think is one of the best books written about on this topic. Um, the Ethical Slut is um, sort of, you know, compulsory reading what I say about that book is um, have an opinion on it. It's not mm. the Bible. It's not the final word. But if you're curious about non-monogamy, I really recommend that you have an opinion on that book. Mm. Read it. Like what you like. Discard what you don't like and have an opinion on it. You know, opening up is an old classic. More than two is an old classic. Um, they're, I think they're a little outdated. But if you want to, if you're the type of nerd that wants to kind of get into older literature. Uh, yeah. Um, those are sort of your your sort of classic reading list for that stuff. Um, and find a community. Yes. Um, you want to you wanna hang out with other people who are, who are either transitioning into non-monogamy or already non-monogamous or curious because you are challenging the, the, the norms of society and the systems that are, are really firmly in place yes. around relationships. It's like marriage is an old con- uh, you know, institution that is pretty much the only contract that is globally recognized, by the mm. way. So you are really fighting against norms and systems 
And you want a community around you that normalizes what you're doing and also um, helps you with inspiration and permission. How do you find a community before we we sign off here? Sure. If you're in metropolitan areas, um, Meetup is a good place to go. You'll actually find people who are meeting up in person. Um, if you're in remote areas online, there are uh, endless Facebook group, Reddit groups. Um, so find find online groups. Um, so that's that will be the easiest thing that I can tell you. Oh my gosh. Okay, so you're not out there by yourself. If you're curious and you got questions, hop into one of those communities. Effie, mm-hmm. thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Welcome. I learned so much today. <laughs> um, where can people find you, get a hold of you if they want to reach out? For sure. Um, thanks for this opportunity. It was great to be on the podcast. And uh, people can find me from my website, Effie Blue. That's E-F-F-Y, blue like the sky, dot com. Um, also, I recommend people checking out wearecuriousfoxes.com. Um, that is our blog. And you can also find a podcast from that. Uh, we cover all sorts of topics from um, sexuality, identity, relationship styles, dating, communication, all that kind of stuff. And um, I'm on Instagram at Coach Happy Blue and at We Are Curious Foxes. Perfect. Thank you so much again. And until next time, Slay Nation, we'll catch you later.